Well met, friends. I'm Jude Vase. And I'm Steph Midlock. Welcome to Athrobeth, a podcast exploring the querulous Quendi clans of Tolkien's Legendarium. That was a mouthful. Good job. Thank you. I, I almost you- said clams because you were <laughs> teasing me about it before we started recording. I thought he was going to say clams. Which is topical since I was just in a place with a beach, uh, Cape yeah. Cod. There you go. The where they have clams. Now, do the cods all wear capes there, or is it <laughs> only the discerning cods? I don't actually know what a cape is. I should know that. I, I went to school. I studied geography, <laughs> theoretically. I took yeah. it as an elective once. I, I was almost awake in it. Uh, but I don't know what a cape is, uh, is uh, other than the thing that superheroes shouldn't wear, because they look silly. <laughs> you know, it's got to be a land feature, right? Like a, a wee bay. Yeah, a wee bay. It's a wee bay. Hi, yep. dude. How are you? I'm good. I took a week off. Can you fucking imagine that? Um, I actually can't. I think hell might have frozen over because yeah. I don't think well, Jude has taken a vacation, especially not a week long, in forever. Yeah. According to my coworkers, hell basically did freeze over. <laughs> I have a lot of restrained, salty messages waiting for me to, to be triaged. <laughs> uh, so that's that's my week. But I I, I return with a sunburned head and a more relaxed attitude, which I will certainly uh, take care of first thing tomorrow morning when no. I am more angry. Again. Oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. I enjoy it while it going back to work. Not the, not the sunburn on the head. I don't have enough hair to keep my head from being sunburned. But. We got to get you a hat. I mean, big brimmed floppy hat. hats are in. I have a hat. I just forgot it on the first day. Oh, okay, you're telling me there was no like... I went to Cape Cod and all I got was this lousy hat hat. No, I brought a hat that was extremely not appropriate for Cape Cod and I wore it every day after that. Oh, it was your big like, what was it your, was it your, I love, I love the Sons of Feanor hat. No, that that would be good. No, it's tweed, which is a real fuck you to all summer weather is to wear a tweed hat, but (laughs) That's yeah. the worst idea. Wool know, doesn't right? breathe. What are you doing? Uh, I'm. What I'm doing is what I always do, which is uh, ignore the weather when choosing what to wear. Yeah, Jude. Jude's like one of those people who dresses for the place that he thinks he lives in in his mind, which is like the northern moors of Scotland. Yeah, more <laughs> but or less. really is standing on the beach, like mm-hmm. freaking. There's a there's a photo of me wearing all black, wearing my tweed hat, glowering at the camera. <laughs> I don't Can like I the please beach. have a copy of that? Yes, I'll send it to you. Yay! I'm going to make it into a poster and then I'm going to uh, distribute it. Well, then no, it. you can't have it. No! I know you. Oh, shoot. You Black have to keep expert. your wily things to yourself, Midlock. Uh, I, good luck, James, editing that down into something coherent. Nope, it's adorable. <laughs> We're keeping it. James, keep it. We're keeping it. <laughs> uh, so, do we have anything in the intro here before we get in? Well, I mean, you know, let's um, well, the Olympics have just started and it seems like getting people from all over the planet to come together and mix for two weeks and then go back to their homes is the way to really get COVID going again. Yeah. as if <laughs> So it let's needed, all wear a mask, people, please. Yeah. As if it needed the help since the Delta variant has us basically back in time one year with all the, the rates spiking up everywhere. So, yeah. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. Don't be an asshole. Yeah, if you, uh, yeah, we know internationally vaccinations are still not totally widely available, but if you can, please, please get one. And, and I really do hope everyone can have um, the ability to get that soon. And like, come on, in the U.S., you guys are just being selfish jerks. Please, come on, get yep. the vaccination. You're being really annoying. Yeah, yep, Delta variant has got us by the short ones, if you will. <laughs> yes, accurate. <laughs> Uh, in other slightly better news, sort of, uh, Green Knight hits theaters July 30th? Yeah. Like five oh days God. from recording here. Doing this one a little down to the wire. Uh, <laughs> I really want to go see it, but I also don't want to be in a theater with people. Yeah. Uh, I legitimately considered renting an entire theater for myself to go see it. Might do that for Dune, but I don't know. Green Knight on oh, the fence. Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if you would like to hear an entire episode of Atherbeth in which Steph lusts after Dev Patel and a little bit we talk about Green Knight, uh, episode Rude. 22 from May 6, 2020, 
you can check it out. Uh, learn a little bit about The Green Knight before you go see the movie. My understanding is it will be streaming in about three months after it airs in or after it's shown in theaters. So I'm probably going to wait till it's streaming because my lungs suck and I don't really want to cough them out onto the floor. Yeah, no, we don't want that. We don't want we don't. Nobody wants a man in a tweed hat coughing on the floor. We don't want that. I think the no, tweed I, hat I'm is really irrelevant. Excited about the movie, but, I've heard you you sent me a bunch of reviews that people like were loving it. Oh, um, yeah, it looks bizarre and gorgeous and freaky, and it looks great. Uh, I saw the one review that I thought really hit it on the head for why it appeals to me is these Arthurian tales are fucking weird. They're. Mm-hmm mystical in like the true like in the that like the original sense of the word not the like jazz hands mystical sense of the word <laughs> but like the original sense of the word they're very bizarre and sort of spiritual and weird and i feel like a24 is a great studio to take on that and to try and capture that surrealist aspect of these of these tales so i'm really excited to see it yeah, it's got like a dash of unsettling and then like a, mm. a big heaving teaspoon of sexy because Dev Patel is amazing. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and when you bake that all together, it's amazing. Yeah, I can't I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm I can't I'm too scared of the theater, but which is a bummer because we have been waiting for so long for it. But that's OK. We could wait a little bit longer. Keep the thirst trap going. It's going to be OK. Yep. But yeah, check it or wreck it. And let us know what you thought of it. If you did, if you go see it, let us know. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I want to hear about uh, what you think. I, I think actually one of the promos, they said something about like the story that Tolkien talked about or something. And I was like, yeah. oh, they name dropped him. OK, OK. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Well, we have many, many forking Tulare paths to tread. So let's begin. This episode, we're going to be doing a little bit of groundwork. In the coming episodes, I want to be diving into some elf shit again. So I thought it would be helpful to go back and do a little bit of yeah, I guess groundwork is the best way to put it. Refresh your memories, so to speak, on some some elf fundamentals. I may do another episode after this one with some additional stuff. But for this first episode, we're going to be talking about the sundering of the elves. This is how the elves started as one people and ended up with like a bajillion. To start, however... Uh, we're going to be referring pretty extensively to various periods of time in Arda in this episode. So mm. as a refresher, because they don't just have years, there's a lot of weird nomenclature here. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go super quick through the timeline at a very high level, just so every, just so we've got all the, the terminology oh, at top of great. mind. Let's, yeah, put the foundations down and then you can go crazy. Yeah. In the, in the coming episodes. That's awesome. Good, good. You know, and I think as more and more people are finding the Legendarium, perhaps get, getting excited through, for the Amazon show or, you know, even mm-hmm. for that upcoming um, animated Rohan show that might be coming out, you know, that's coming out later. Yep. Like, yep. yeah, the, here, here is a great high level intro for you uh, that we probably should have done like in 2018. But that's OK. We're yep. doing it now. Yeah, baby. Woo. Yep. So, time in Arda is div- divided into three rough groups. Wait, what's Arda? Arda is generally the world. Okay. Whether you're talking about the solar system or the planet or all of creation is a more complicated question, which we won't tackle here. But for our purposes, it's the world. Everything. It's the envelope. It, yeah. It's it. Well, for our purposes here... Okay. It's the world. It, the, okay. What that means can be more complicated, but that's what Arda means. Great. Um, and time is divided into three rough groups. The years of the lamps, the years of the trees, and the years of the sun. Oh, that actually helps a lot. Now I can put them in file folders. Yeah. Lamps, trees, sun. So we'll start with the years of the lamp. That is the earliest time. Immediately after creation, Aule raised two gigantic lamps uh, the land in Middle Earth was basically a uh, the Target logo. Okay. It was a round <laughs> ring with mm-hmm. an island in the middle of an inland sea, mm-hmm. and that was where 
the Valar originally lived. And this is referred to as, like, this is the original age, and it's called the Year of the, of the Lamps because of these two big lamps. Aule is one of the Valar, which yeah, are the fun, fancy beings who were created by Eru or Eru. Iluvatar, right? Which, yeah. Who's like the leader of everything. God, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, and some yeah. people kind of think of the Valar as angels, but right, or they're, sort of, I don't know. More. I, I think demiurges is a better way of putting it. They're okay. creative forces. Okay. Aule is associated with creation, with creating, with making, forging the smith, things like that. So he made um, two lamps. Yeah, he made these two lamps, and he put this, like, primordial fire in them. Ooh. Um, and these lamps, it should be noted, are fuck-off enormous. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, taller than any mountain, like, multiple times taller than any mountain that's ever existed. They, Gosh. They tower if, over existence. That's awesome. I, I wonder, like, how many... I bet artists have done a bunch of, like... Because, I mean, mm -hmm. are they really described like it's not it's like a Tiffany lap or, you know, what I mean, is it a big flashlight or is it a big pyre? Who knows? Yeah, there's some really cool art of it. The years of the lamps lasted about thirty three thousand years, according to the as the sun would it's like sun years as we would measure them until Morgoth in the first in the in these early ages before his original imprisonment tore them down. And Morgoth and that, is our big bad guy. Yeah. Okay. And that fucked up the whole landscape. It like completely trashed that whole like nice target logo world that they had built. About 500 years after Morgoth tore the lamps down, the Valar raised Amon in the far west, raised the Peliori Mountains to shelter Amon, and Yvonne creates the two trees, which so another one starts of the, Valar the years the of the trees. trees. Got it. Yeah. It should be noted that in between there, after the lamps come down, Yvonne also puts every living thing to sleep. Okay. So. And by every living thing, is it mostly animals you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I think, I don't know if it actually includes trees and stuff. I think so. Oh, oh I love that. Well, yeah. Okay, but I think, sure. I, I know it's animals and such. Okay. Um, but the idea is there's no light, there's no life because the lamps have been destroyed. So now we get the years of the trees. And they are named for the two trees, Telperion and Laurelin, which you may recognize from our logo. <laughs> I'm gesturing, but you can't see that. Uh, <laughs> the start of the age is measured from the first blooming of Telperion, which is the moon tree. So they last about half as long as the, as the years of the lamps, about 14,000 years, during which a fuck ton happens. Um, <laughs> It ends 50 years after the destruction of the two trees, when the sun and the moon finally rise in the sky to mark the awakening of men in the distant east. Mm. Uh, this marks the beginning of the years of the sun and the first age, which we'll get into in a second. Okay. What happens in the years of the trees? Everything before the Silmarillion, really, uh, until the elves wake up. Okay, where can people find or, that kind of, ta like, is that Lost Tales uh, situation? No, that's like Ina the Ainulindale. Oh, okay. Um, yes. So basically, in the, in the Silmarillion, Silmarillion, everything okay. until everything up to the Noldor get back to Middle Earth happens okay. in those fourteen thousand years. It's a lot. Uh, the elves are discovered. We're going to talk like a lot of what happens in, in this thing happens during the years of the trees. So we'll talk okay. about that. So yeah, that's kind of really what this episode is about. Yeah. Nice. Then we have the years of the sun, which is divided further into ages. Okay, and you hear a lot about that in Tolkien's yes. writing. I think a lot of people don't really know what they're talking about with that. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe newer newer fans like me. Mm -hmm. The first age is just shy of six hundred years, and yet it covers basically everything in the Silmarillion, which gosh boggles my ding dang mind every time yeah. I'm reminded <laughs> of this. Uh, from the time that Feanor gets to Middle Earth. All the way to the end when Morgoth is defeated is like 600 years. That is such a blip in time. Because yeah, compared if you think to about 14,000 years of the age of the trees, I mean, six, 600 is nothing. Yeah. Wow. Nothing. And that really puts into perspective the fact that the elves woke up during the years of the trees. Okay. Many of these elves that are involved in this war are does are multiple 
thousands of years old, if not like upwards of 10,000 years old. Weef. When they Imagine get, the bedhead. Yeah, right? When they get to this thing. So like, I think that puts a perspective on this. Like, they aren't just old. Mm-hmm. They're ancient the fuck old. These are a race of people who have lived an incredibly long time and have have experienced an enormous amount. And so they have that ingrained arrogance and confidence. And it makes a little bit more sense why they would think that everything is within their grasp. Because nothing's not been in their grasp. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you spent 10,000 years accomplishing everything you ever tried, why would it seem insane to you that you could kill a god? N- nothing, else had, nothing else had ever been impossible. Why would that? Hmm, interesting. So... Uh, The other crazy thing about this, the end of the first age is marked by the departure of the Valar and their host from the ruins of Beleriand after 50 years of war with Morgoth. Now in the Silmarillion, they're like, and then the host of of, uh, Amon arrived and some stuff happened. And then these two buttheads took the Silmarils and then there was some stuff and then they left and Beleriand was fucked. (laughs) It like just sort of bounces over this period, not mentioning that it took the the whole host of the Valar another 50 goddamn years to finish off Morgoth. <laughs> like, 50 years. And it's yeah. like, that's why Beleriand is fucked. Not yeah, Beleriand because, being this area of land that is basically not appearing in, in any of the yeah. main texts because it's sunk. It's gone. Yeah, it's not because... Eru is like, shame, and then like sinks it. That's, that's Numenor. Right. Beleriand is sunk because you have a host of Demiurges fighting another Demiurge who is the, the equal to them. Right. And the way they fight fucks up terrain. That's why, they've never, that's why they've held back on fighting for so long. And the result is that the, play, the, the land where they have, all these elves have lived for all these years... Mm-hmm. is trashed wow. beyond recognition and sinks beneath the sea. That's so goddamn metal. And I can't <laughs> believe that Tolkien was just like, I don't need to write about that. We could just well, skip over that part. He was the king of like having lots of really cool ideas and like not having time to flush them yeah. out, I guess. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It really does roll over your back, I think, the first time you read it. And it's not till you really think about it. Like, yeah, it is gone. Yep. Wow, amazing. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, that's sort of the... The last fuck you of the battle is like, like okay, we had this battle, and uh, but also like the land that the children loved is gone. Is gone. So fuck yeah. you. You know. Wow. Yeah, Balerion is 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 fucked. So so is the sinking of Balerion and well the sinking or you know the pummeling of it is that sort of that marks the end of the first age? Uh, when when the uh, host of the Valar leaves, when they say done. <laughs> Yeah. Mission accomplished. And they <laughs> sail back west. That's the end of the first age and the second age begins. <laughs> so, so so, the elves are like on floaties, like in the middle of what used to be their, their area of land. And the Valar's like, okay, well, cool. We're going to head. Um, it was really Most, great to see you guys. <laughs> yeah. Many of the elves go with them, except for the Sindar, which for whom going west was never, is not an option. Okay. Um, oh, but sure many we'll of the Noldor stay or, or yeah. leave. A few stay in the second age. The second age lasts thirty four hundred years. Okay, and encompasses the entire history of Numenor: its rise, its fall, the creation of the rings, through the last alliance during which Sauron is defeated and the ring is cut from his hand. His defeat marks the end of the second age. But like basically the enti- the the appendices in the Lord of the Rings. That's the second age. Okay. Cool. The whole thing, which is why the Amazon series has quite a bit of potential, actually, because virtually everything we know about the Second Age, it's in the appendices. There's wow. almost nothing about it in the supplemental material. Wow. It's like almost all in the appendices. So Interesting. they don't really need much. I, I mean, the the amount of extra material that they need that they, they would request from the Tolkien estate is very minimal to make a TV show about it. Do you think then that that's going to open up for like, I mean, that gives them more license for their own interpretation, right? 
Um, um, because the appendices, while it has big things, there's lots of little things you could fill in. Do you think people are going to be pissed about that? <laughs> I, I think, think the answer is yes. So here's my thing. I think that it's an interesting case where there's enough. They have they have the rights to make it, but not enough to. They have the rights to it, but not there's not enough there to actually do it without the estate being involved mm-hmm. and. The estate, therefore, assuming the estate wants to keep them on track, the estate will. Okay. If it deviates a whole bunch, the only person that they're going to be, that fans will be able to blame is the Tolkien estate. So don't take it up with Amazon. Amazon will get away with as much as the estate lets them, is my opinion. Oh, that's cool. That's really good to know. All right, cool. So we're looking forward to learning more about the second age then. Nice. Then we get the third age, which is another 3,000 years and covers the long period of... Peace, air quotes, <laughs> air quotes, between the end of the War of the Last Alliance and the return of Sauron and his final defeat when Frodo gets his finger bitten off and Gollum does a lava swan dive. Lava swan dive. <laughs> That's hilarious. Its Aww. official end is the passing of Elrond, Frodo, Gandalf, Bilbo, and Gladriel over the sea into the West. Oh, um, The Fourth Meesh. Age is the last documented age. Tolkien documented very few events about this. Uh, He goes about 1,500 years into the Fourth Age, but no further. He initially commented that 1958 would be about the end of the Fifth Age, estimating that every age would be about 3,000 years long. But in Letter 211, he amended that the ages might have shortened such that it was the end of the Sixth, start of the Seventh Age. He didn't give an explanation for why the ages would have shortened or what events would have demarcated these ages. Oh, that's interesting. As it seems to have been large epic events that's, that split up the ages. But assuming that Middle-earth leads into our time, that's how he would have huh. blocked it out. So Could it be that the lives of men are shorter? Could be. I think that's a I think that's a rational explanation. Wow, I had I I'm not going to lie to you. I had no idea that he had ever even mentioned anything beyond a fourth age. Is that all in what the letters or something? When does he talk um, about that? He lays out a few events in the like the New Shadow and a few other places of just like what happens with Aragorn's kingdom afterwards, things like oh. what happens with Legolas and Gimli and things like that that stretches out a few year a little bit into the fourth age, but not much. It's like when the Golden Girls transitioned and, and got that B and B, right? Or whatever it was. Or an inn. Do you remember yep, that? Exactly. A hotel. Anyway. Uh, um, okay. Oh man, I would totally go to a hotel that was owned by Legolas and Gimli. Think how great the landscaping would be. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're gonna talk about the sundering of the elves. Ooh. And to talk about the sundering of the elves, we gotta talk about where they start. And yeah. that is Quivienen. The elves awoke early in the Age of the Trees, approximately 1,000 years into the Age of the Trees, mm-hmm. on the shores of a bay around the inland sea of Helkar, which was so formed... It's like a lake. <laughs> no, it's a sea. It's, it's a, a sea. Sorry. It's a big... Yeah, it's a big fuck-off lake, which is, I guess, <laughs> what a sea is. Um, they which were was on formed, Cape Cod. Yeah. Uh, which was formed when one of the lamps smashed down into the... the fell down... And pushed up a mountain and formed this inland sea. So oh, it was cool. on the sh- on the shores of this mountain. There was this enormous waterfall that fed into this bay, and it was on the shores of this bay that the first elves awoke. That's lovely. What a nice fucking place to wake up, right? Much better than many of the places like yeah. I've woken up in my life. Right. Um, can I ask you a question? Certainly. So well, upon reviewing the elves t- for this episode, I was reading, you know, that when they woke up on Quivienen, basically the first thing that they saw were the stars, which is like why they loved the stars. And then the first sound that they heard was the sound of like flowing water, which is why they loved water. Mm-hmm. Okay. So based on those two things, things that you see and things that you hear, what are the first things that Jude saw and heard when you awoke and it can't be your family your friends because that's boring give me something else I, I'm, I'm talking like if it was me it would be like it would be like dev patel was the first no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> hmm. that's uh, a good question yeah i don't know 
I think the first thing I smelled was cinnamon buns because that's like the best thing ever, right? Or like a mall pretzel. <gasps> Ooh, that's I woke answer. up next to an Auntie M's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, can you smell crankiness? <laughs> Is that a thing? I think in that age, absolutely. Why not? Um, old age and, and ill temper. Is that, okay. is that valid? Quivienen is a Quenya word that means waters of awakening. Oh, lovely. I'm going to need to know the Quenya word for the smell of a warm mall pretzel uh, because that is where I woke up. <laughs> I'll <laughs> okay, see what I'm I sorry. can do. Okay, I took us off. Uh, we're getting back on the path. We're back on the path. Go ahead, Jude. Sorry. The first generation of elves are known as the unbegotten and were said to have been formed directly from the flesh of Arda. Upon awakening, they found no other thing that spoke or sang, so they named themselves the Quendi, those who speak with voices. Oh, I love that. So very briefly, I want to talk about something called the Quivianarna, which Ooh. is a fucking bonkers, like, I don't even know what to describe it as. It's a legend, I guess, or a fairy tale that is preserved by both the elves of Amon and the Sindarin elves. Ooh. So, okay. as you, as we'll see, as we discuss this further, those are two very separate groups separated by large amounts of time and distance who both preserve this myth, this legend and it's in, in a functionally identical form. But it's also a way to teach kids how to count. What? <laughs> cool. So the degree to which this records actual fact versus a teaching legend mm -hmm. is not clear. And the fandom interprets it in its own way. I think it's extraordinarily likely that this is more or less true, it, it, that it was Tolkien's intention that this was more or less true, but your mileage may vary. What do you mean that it was true? Like that it was something that these two very different groups all like sort of both had in their, in well, their vernacular? Well, let me talk you through it and you'll understand what okay, I mean. Okay, great. So the Quivianarna begins at Quivianen with the very first elves. Uh, and three of them awake, the three fathers, Imin, Tata, and Enel who mean first, second, third. Their okay. names become the basis for the numbers one, two, and three. Okay. Oh, nice. Each of the three awoke before their spouse, who were right beside them. So a little heteronormative mythology there for you, but what do you Eat expect more. from a Catholic? <laughs> their spouses were Imenye, Tatie, and Enelie, which are just the feminine forms of first, second, and third. Mm -hmm. Again, heteronormativity plus patriarchy. Mm. They start to talk to first to their spouses and then to each other. They start forming words and start figuring out a little bit of language. And then the six of them start walking, uh, leaving what they call their dell of awakening, which is where they all woke up. And soon they come to a larger dell where they find six more pairs of Quendi. Being the first to have awakened, Imin claims right of first choice, and chooses them to be his companions, his people. I don't know why they didn't get a choice, but this is how elves work. <laughs> Early bird gets the worm, I guess. They walk a little further, and they find yet another deeper and wider hollow, where now nine pairs of Quendi are awakening. Wow. Tata claims right of second choice, and chooses these new 18 elves to be his companions. Uh, okay. This this yet larger group keeps walking and they find 12 pairs of Quendi and NL claims right of third choice and claims them to be his companions. Okay. So the largest group. Yeah. So this is both an explanation for why the Elven counting is 12 based. Oh, okay. And the the story goes on and talks about how they formed certain words. After a time, the elves set out together again, and they start walking. As they continue walking, Imin is thinking that every time we, we find more elves, we find a larger group, right? So the next time we find a group, I'm going to pass it on and let someone else take them so I get the next group, which will be bigger. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. 
right? Big brain, right? Yeah. If you're on a Red Rover team, you want the mm-hmm. biggest team you got. Sure. Yeah, because he's only got him, his wife, and 12 others. So they find 18 pairs of Quendi. They were all excited about the stars. So Imin is like, I'm going to wait. going to let it go. So these new 36 Quendi went with Tata. Which was the third one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. So right now he's got a really big crew. Yep. So these continue going out and they find another group of elves. And now it's 24 bathing in the lake. Again, Imin is like, no, you know what? There's got to be a bigger group still. There's got to be a bigger group. So this group goes with Enel, the second one. Okay. And that's the end. Shoot each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He hedged his bets and he lost. Yeah. So Imen and Imenye and their 12 companions become the Minyar, who would go on to become the mothers and fathers of the Vanyar. Tata and Tatye, with their 54 companions, become the Tatyar, the mothers and fathers of the Noldor. Enel and Enelye, with their 72 companions, become the Nelyar, the mothers and fathers of the Teleri. Okay. So these, like, three family groups. Yeah. So gotcha. it's a counting story because you notice everything is in groups of six or 12. It's all, like, mm-hmm. about 12. So it's a counting story for teaching kids how to count to 12. Okay. But it's also a story of where you came from. Sure. And if it was just a counting story you would think that that original origin myth would would be different or would 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 differ in substantial ways but it's not it's very that part apparently is very is identical between the two versions between the Sindarin and the elves of Amon who are okay. separated by tens of thousands of years by the time this is compared so my sense is that Tolkien more or less wanted, maybe not like the exact numbers and all that shit, but more or less wanted this idea of wakening in the, in the things, they gather into these three family groups who then become the three tribes of the... Because by the time Orome shows up... Another of the Valar. That, that's what they are. Like, those, those three family groups exist. The Minyar, the, the Tachar, and the Nelyar exist. Those are real family... Those are real things that existed. When Orome showed up. Okay. Orome is the Valar who came over from the West to be like, hey, what are you guys doing? You guys awake? Yeah. And we're going to talk about him in just a second. Okay. 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 So are there there counting stories in, you know, texts that Tolkien would have read? Or is this kind of new? Not that I know. Okay. Uh, It's also noteworthy that none of the, like, Tata is not Finway. Mm -hmm. So, like, what happened there? Different person. In the sense that, like, how did the founder of the group that became the Noldor disappear? And how did Finway end up the high king of the Noldor? Mm. Weird, right? Yeah. Um, Interesting. And it would, be, it would be fine if it was, like, one group lost their leader, but all three groups. No, like, Imin is not the leader of the, of the Vanyar. Tata is not the leader of the Noldor. And uh, what's-his-name is not the leader of the Teleri. It's not... <laughs> Is not our our buddy, Thingle. Oh, so you think they never existed, and these are just stories? I don't. That they made well, I, I I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying it's uh-huh. odd that 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 first generation, the leaders of that first generation, don't become the leaders that we know. And yeah. the most likely explanation is that, that that's just Tolkien like grafting this myth, the Quivian the Quivianarna, onto an existing hierarchy that goes back. But I think it's yeah. interesting in retro like trying to do like a, a retcon, like figure out why that is. I think it's yeah. interesting. So It is interesting. Well, thanks for introducing that. That's very cool. Yeah. And it actually helps to structure everything else you're going to tell us, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so the first divisions, shortly after their awakening, they're discovered by the Valar Orome. And upon the instruction of the other Valar, he tells them that they have been summoned to reside in Valinor for their protection. <laughs> and among the elves, half of the Tatyar and half of the Nelyar refused the summons and were known as the Avari, the unwilling. Okay, they just didn't want to leave. They didn't want to go. Yeah, which is valid since, you know, they were not supposed to. Like, they were created to live in Middle-earth. So, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. The ones who were willing were given a new name, the Eldar, the People of the Stars, by Orome, which is kind of a dick move. <laughs> they were all the people of the stars, buddy. Yeah. 
And anywhere. I feel like it's not that fair to be like, well, you guys were unwilling. You didn't do what we want, so we're calling you a yeah. name that doesn't really. I, ha- I have a lot anything. of thoughts about the Avari, um, but we're not going to go there today. Oh, but can you can you go into it at some point? Because I'd like to yeah. hear it maybe another episode or something. That'd yeah, be cool. for sure. Uh, the three clans also get renamed. The Minyar in their entire were renamed the Vanyar, the Fair. Oh. Those of the Tachyar who answered the summons become the Noldor, the Deep Elves. Deep isn't wise, like deep thinkers. And those of the Nelyar who answered become the Teleri, the hindmost, okay. which is kind of a rude fucking name. The Teleri basically means like the butt end. Wait, what? Wait, what does Teleri really mean? It what means it the mean? hindmost. What? The end. It means like <laughs> well, it's last they were the in third. line, like tail end Charlie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, okay. it's a terrible name. <laughs> It's like if this you is, called me this, like perpetually late. My logic like, for this oh. is this is why they, they all like split off and form their own groups because nobody wants to be a Teleri. Everybody's like, this is a terrible name. I'm 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 gonna do something else because I don't want to be a Teleri. Yeah, and just because we well, you guys found us geographically down the road farther than everybody else doesn't mean that we're late. It's just, you know, no. come on, man. Jeez. Yeah. Uh that's funny. But apparent so my next section is called Teleri apparently means to waffle. Uh because <laughs> the journey from Quivienne to the western shores of what would eventually be known to them as Beleriand was very long. And along the way, like the Teleri just split off like a million times. What? Um <laughs> the first group to split off became what is known as the Nandor, those who go back, as they refuse to cross the Misty Mountains. Well, I mean, okay, I, I'm i no hiker, so I get it. They're yeah. like, no, thank you. Thank you. We're going to stay on this side. The, <laughs> from this group, there is a further split of the Lyquendi, the green elves, under the leadership of an elf named Denethor. Uh, no relation oh. to the bearded Looney Tune or the unbearded <laughs> tomato-eating Looney Tune. Um, <laughs> this group, the Lyquendi, eventually did cross... The, the Misty Mountains, and did come to Beleriand shortly before the dawn of the first stage. They took, you know, like 15,000 years to get there, but they got there. Uh, can I interject? <laughs> it seems like a long time to take that trip. <laughs> I mean, Middle Earth, it, unless Middle Earth is like the size of like Jupiter or Saturn, I don't know how it takes you 15,000 years to walk across a continent. I mean, people I mean, do I it can all the time. T- I can take a lot of rest stops, Jude. <laughs> Just saying. I, I, I got I, I a lot it. of it's, snacks. I get it. It's migratory, but whatever. Can I interject something? I am looking at a flow chart that I found after yep. a very simple Google search of types of elves in yep. Tolkien. And I found a flow chart where it sort of starts with the Quendi at the top and then the yep. three clans and then and then it flows down. It, it would be... Uh, if you were like me and you don't know all these crazy words that Jude is saying, maybe open up a flow chart because um, it'll help a lot. Yeah, we'll yes. uh, we'll attach this to the uh, the tweet for the episode. One of that. Okay. One of those cool. images for, to the tweet for the episode. Yeah. Um, so the second major split. Okay. Uh, was those who got all the way into Beleriand across the Blue Mountains, saw the ocean, and were like, nah. <laughs> um. <laughs> These are known as the Sindar, the Grey Elves. One particularly daft subset of these elves became known as the Egloth, the Forsaken, for they remained to search for their lost Lord Thingol. I would like to ask the question of how a guy, second only to Feanor, uh, for bad decisions and bad temper, inspired a whole host of elves to forsake Amun and refuse the orders of their god. That's fucking <laughs> beyond me. Thingol's a dick. I don't understand how he landed a literal, like... Maybe he was really hot. Deity. I mean, yes, that is canonically true. Um, Mm. But I don't understand how first he he manages to, like, get a deity to to marry him. And then B, or I don't know, I've lost track of how I'm counting this (laughs) list. Uh, And then he gets a whole host of, uh, of elves to, like, forsake the orders of their, of, of their god to just like wander around in the forest looking for him while he just stands there looking at a lady. I have a question. Fingal's whole story is fucking bananas and stupid (laughs) and I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I have to say, I think all of those elves should probably put on their glasses because if that guy was not moving, if he was standing in a field for that long, they should have found him way earlier. Right. They can find a little kid wandering 
in some like zigzag serpentine pattern in a forest. How did the elves who have spent like <laughs> hundreds of years migrating across, they've got to have like at least a couple of guys that are gifted in woodland tracking. They right. have to be able to, to figure this out. But no, no. Do you wonder if maybe like Thingle was kind of a jerk and they were like, oh, it is great to have a little break from that guy. Let's pretend that we're looking for him for yeah. a while. And then they sort of forgot what they were doing. Now, wait a minute. I fell out of the flow chart. Where are we? Are we still at the, are, are we still the in the Sindar. Teleri? The Teleri. Yeah, this is all Teleri. Okay, this is all Teleri. We're going to be in the Teleri okay. for another couple minutes. Okay, 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 okay. Those who made it to the shore of the Great Sea, but no further, either because they dwaddled and missed the island that they <laughs> tore off of Beleriand. Yes, that's how they got to, from Beleriand to Amon. The, the, um, not Ale, the one with the water. Um, uh, Olmo. Olmo just like yanked a chunk of Beleriand off and was like, here, stand on this island. I'm going to sail it. <laughs> um, they, they like took their time and missed the bus, essentially. Sure. Or uh, <laughs> they got to the, the shore and were like, this is too fucking cool. Have you, have you seen this ocean and these rocks where the water hits the, hits the rocks? Fuck that. This is too cool. <laughs> they were known as the Falathrim, the people of the shore. I like that. Finally, those of the Teleri who actually made it all the way to Amman would be known as the Falmari, the wave folk. So what I want you to take away from this is that <laughs> okay. Teleri is not really a classification that exists, certainly not by the end of the, year, the years of the trees. And like by halfway through the years of the trees, it doesn't exist. Oh. By the time the elves get to Amon, those Teleri are Falmari. Like, okay. Teleri is like, yes, I have British background, but that's not what I am. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm an American. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm an American or I'm an asshole. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever I am. Like, yes, I, you know, my grandfather 47 times over came was a, a peasant who came over on a boat from England and then was, you know. 17 generations of poor farmers later, there's me. But, like, that's kind of how it is with the Teleri. Like, Teleri is how yeah. they started, but nobody calls themselves Teleri by the time we get to the, by, like, any time after, like, a, you know, halfway through right. the years of the trees, which well, is Because their interesting. name sucks, so they were trying to get rid of it, right? Yeah, which is interesting because Tolkien consistently refers to them as the Teleri, in the early parts of the Silmarillion, but I wonder, I, I want to go back and look and see how much of that is Tolkien and how much of that is Christopher trying to, like, simplify the terms there. Because I do know that he refers very heavily to, like, the Sindar and the Nandor and blah, 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 blah. Wow, it's, it is confusing. I'm not going to lie to you. It is confusing. But, I mean, it's, I, I'm going to tell you guys, really, this flowchart is helping me so much. Yeah. So, yeah, get yourself a flowchart. In okay. addition yes. to these what I'll call tribal affiliations or clan affiliations, how, whatever term you want to use. Mm -hmm. There are two additional classifications that are sort of layered on top of that. What? All in the Teleri still? No, this is, a, this is above all oh. tribal affiliations. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, gotcha. There's Caliquendi, meaning elves of the light, for those, and that is for any elf who saw the light of the two trees, versus okay. Moraquendi, elves of the darkness, or elves of darkness for those who did not. So that would just be the Avari who did not, right? Uh, oh no, no, you're right. The, and like, some of the Teleri yeah. went back. Yeah, like the um, the yeah. Falathrim, for example, the Lyquendi. All of those were were yeah. uh, Moraquendi. Okay, and then you have so no light. Yeah, and then you have the Umanyar and the Amanyar, and that is the elves of Amon for those who stayed in Amon, and then the exiles didn't particularly like being called exiles, and preferred the label Umanyar, those not of Amon. Which seems like you're splitting hairs a little bit, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, oh, hmm. um, There's, I mean, let's. hey guys, do we really need all these labels? Let's just right? all be together. I don't think we need to label everything. Thingol was a unique case because he is a, a rare case where he is both Moraquendi and Umanya, uh, Quendi, and yet he never reached Amon, like traveled there with his people. He's Calaquendi because he's seen the light, but he's never lived in Amon. Huh. 
huh. Wait, so how did he do that? Was he just vacationing um, to the see leaders, the light? <laughs> the leaders of the three tribes, Finway, Thingol, and the leader of the Vanyar, who is completely unimportant because nothing ever happens with the Vanyar, were all <laughs> taken by Orome over to Amon to see what was up so that they could tell right. their people, like, hey, this is legit. It's, it's fine. Oh, right. Okay, okay, yeah. yes. So Thingol saw the trees but never made it to Amon, per se. Like, okay. never journeyed there. So he's a weird oh. case there. Yeah, he is a weird case. Caught between worlds, Ba-touch. standing in a field. All right, almost done. There's <laughs> okay. a few last things. Yeah. There are the Sylvan Elves, which is a late term for a group of elves that consisted of Nandor and Avari Elves that came together and populated the forests up and down the Anduin River in the years of the sun, through a lot of ages, but particularly in the years of the sun. Okay, river folk. No, that was just like in the forests around around the the Anduin River Basin, basically. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, interesting. Is this how we is this how we get like woodland realm elves or? Oh yeah, sylvan elves. Wait a minute, I read about this last month because of something. Uh, Galadriel's people were sylvan elves. Okay, thank you. Similarly, Orofin. One of the founders of one of Legolas's ancestors was okay. a Sylvan elf. Oh, cool. Okay, thank you. So then lastly, you have the Galadrim, the tree people, were a people that inhabited the woods of Lothlorien that were Nandor, Sylvan, and Sindar elves that all kind of like came together. They had a very complicated history. You can look them up online. Basically, it's Galadriel's people for all intents and purposes. Oh, okay. Galadriel, Galadrim. Wait, so she was a Teleri? No, she was not. But the people who followed her were referred to as the Galadrim. Oh, okay. Interesting. They have so many cool names. I don't know how anybody... Well, I guess they have thousands and thousands of year-long lifespan to to memorize all these cool names. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that's amazing, though. And do you feel that these different groups were sort of wildly different or, or was it more like, are there different languages between these different things or uh, would yes. they have been able to chill? Many of them spoke. So obviously the Umanyar spoke Sindarin, the Amanyar mm-hmm. spoke Quenya primarily. Okay. And even among the Amanyar, the Noldor were referred to as the Lispers sometimes oh, okay. because of that whole Shibboleth, the Feanor thing. Yes. Uh, so they spoke with the TH. Yep, they were from Barcelona. Barcelona. (laughs) Then you have many of these elves spoke dialects of Sindarin. Okay. Nandarin and so on and so forth, which Tolkien sketched out some of them. Cool. I don't think he ever described in deep detail how much these individual groups of elves developed their own culture. But if you want my opinion... Yeah, I do. Hell yes. I think... (laughs) I, the elves were long-lived, but they were, from the elves that we see, they adapt very, very naturally into the environments that they're in. You okay. see Turgon in, builds his city in this enclave, and they build, they have their whole culture based around this city. You see Thingol builds Doriath, and they have their whole culture based around there. You have Lothlorien, you have all these realms, and you have these people perfectly adapted to these realms they're yep. described as. And then you have the Sylvan Elves, and I would imagine that, especially for the tele- for the, the offshoots of the Teleri, where you have a group that comes through in like 20,000 years ago and then starts to have children. Mm-hmm. And yes, elves have children very slowly, but they would have had children. And those children would have established a culture that the older generation would have adopted because that was the culture of, of where they are now. I very strongly believe that all of those various Teleri, those Sindarin, so to speak, Sindar tribes or whatever you want to call them, those Teleri Mm -hmm. tribes up and down all throughout Middle-earth would have their own unique things. Plus, they all had different reasons for being where they were. The Falathrim, the the Sindar, the the Lyquendi, they were all different. They all stopped for different reasons and they all were there for, for different reasons. The differences between the tribes is completely fucking like if you believe the the Quivianarna, it's completely fucking random. Yeah. It's like, I'll it's, take this yeah. bunch of people here. Like, it's not like they're mm-hmm. independent bloodlines, it's just a random selection. Yeah. 
That's so, so it's entirely like a self-selecting culture. Mm-hmm. So yes, I believe that. And I think that's one area of like, like fan fiction, I think, and fan art that I think I find really interesting is the way people depict and describe these independent cultures. I think that's really interesting. And I think that's an area that's really cool to explore is what are these independent, what do these distinct elven cultures look like and act like? Yeah, because they, they could be absolutely anything, right? Which is so cool. Yeah. I love it. It doesn't always have to be like blonde hair, blue eye, blah, blue, blah, blue, boring. Oh, yeah. No, you know? I, I and I, I strongly believe that. So just looking at the flow chart, the Vanyar have got to be the, the tiniest group then. Oh, yeah. No, and they're described as being the smallest group always. They had very few pe- members to begin with, and they they had few children. So, Okay. Are there any for, sort of like famous Vanyar that we should know? Um, or maybe we'll talk about maybe we'll talk about that in later. Uh, yes, uh, there's not that many, but there's a mm-hmm. few. I can't remember her name, but there is one Vanyar in particular. Oh, right, because it's the is that Fingolfin's lady? Yeah. Or no, no, Thingol's lady? Finway's lady. Yeah, in, Indus is the second wife of Finway and the mother of Fingolfin and Finarfin. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so interesting. Very cool. It is speculated that she was the daughter of the sister of Ingwe, the king of the Vanyar. Wow. Yep. Dang. She's a fancy lady. Lady. Yep. You saw the light of the trees. Yep. Okay. Let's not redo that. That's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else. I can't think of any other notable Vanyar. I mean, I, I'm sure they're like name dropped in places, yeah. but I can't think of anyone else remotely interesting. I have a question for you. Yes. And I have more. Quite, I feel like we're going to get I assume we're going to get more into like who's who of elves in, in subsequent episodes. Right. Yeah. OK, so I'm going to hold on some of these questions, but I do have a question. I would like to ask you, fuck, Mary kill. Valar edition. Okay. Just some of the Valar that we've talked about in this episode. Yeah. Ulmo, Valar of the sea, Aule, god of the making stuff and okay. the earth and stuff. Or not god, but sorry. Whatever. Yep. And then um, who's the other one we talked about? Orome, the guy who woke everybody up with his big old horn. Okay, so Orome, Al- oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I feel like Ulmo <laughs> is probably not a good partner. Okay. But he's probably good in bed. Yeah, he is. He's raging like the sea. Ow! Orome seems like a dependable provider. Hunter mm-hmm. looks good on a horse. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so I think I would probably marry Orome. Uh, and Ally's, I think Ally's just too dumb. And he's definitely not a respectful partner. Look at his relationship with Ivana. He, yeah. he, he does not understand or respect her interests or desires. And he's like, he really should know better. He's known her (laughs) since the beginning of creation. He probably should have picked up some shit by now. Oh my God. Okay. So you're going to fuck Almo. You're going to marry Orome and you're going to kill Ale. Yep. I love it. That's perfect. (laughs) I feel like that's a pretty reasonable assessment. Yep. I like it. Thank you for that. This is the kind of hard hitting you know, topics that we cover here on the Atherbeth podcast. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I do have an elf edition of this uh, game that we'll play next month or whenever it comes up naturally. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, well, that's all I've got. That is the the primary divisions of the, the sundering of the elves. Yeah. For what we're going to do with this, I want to get into some... So... One of the topics that really interested me last month when we did the... Like recap of the, the seminar? Yeah, the recap of the seminar was the mm-hmm. the topic of like imperialism, like looking at the, the, the migrations of the elves and the way that they interacted with each other through the lens of imperialism. And mm-hmm. I feel like as a white man, imperialism is one subject I'm, I feel like I can approach, like I can talk about. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. In the sense that like. Guilty colonizers. Yeah. yeah as a colonizer and as a right. beneficiary of, col- of of colonization, that's Correct. something yep. that I can actually like, I feel like I can actually like research it and approach it and 
I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't feel weird about covering. Sure. Yeah, let's call it out. Let's unpack it a little bit. So right? that's Absolutely. one thing I, I want to do. Um, I also want to talk about the Avari. I have very strong feelings about the sort of theological implications of the Avari. Yeah. So I want to kind of get into that. So okay. we'll see. Um, third group, yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and then I have some other ideas, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to put all my cards on the table just yet, but I, I have a, yeah. I, I want to get into some elf stuff. So we'll see where, where we go. Ooh, we keep it secret. And keep then it safe. I'm very excited because in September we get a new book called Ooh, the yes. worlds of middle earth. Woo. Uh, edited by Hofstetter. And I'm super hyped about this because by all accounts, it has a few things we've already read, uh, mm-hmm. but otherwise it is largely new material. Some of it linguistic, but much of it not. Wow. And it primarily concerns the like nature. Oh no, it's not the worlds of Middle-earth. It's the nature of Middle-earth. And it's chiefly concerned with natural and philosophical topics. And it specifically wow. says, if your favorite book of the histories is Morgoth's Ring, this book is for you. And I'm just like, <laughs> shut the front door. Give me the book. Yeah, take my money. Yeah. Give me the book. <laughs> so uh, I'm yeah, very You're going to have to walk me through this book, Jude. I can already tell you this is not my book. I mean, I'm excited, but you know what I mean? Yeah. If, it, if there's no horses in it, I'm not really listening. Yeah. So, so I, I, I expect... October, November, I will want to do a like review or just sort of an open-ended discussion about the book in October or November. Oh, I'm so, I'm really looking forward to that. That's great. Yeah. And now because you've announced it, uh, we're tied in, which I like. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. That's great. Well, you know what? I think here's the thing. There are so many interesting topics that concern the elves that they, that their, that their flow charts touch. You can talk about them forever. Um, And for those of us, for those of you who might be newer listeners, like this podcast kind of got started because Jude really likes to dunk on this guy named Feanor who we haven't really mentioned in a while. So I'm hoping we're going to get a little bit of dunking on Feanor. Yes, we'll do some dunking on Feanor. But in my defense, it's, it, it, I had more motives than just dunking on Fanor. Uh, it, well. It, it came from, as the, <laughs> the name of the podcast suggests, it came from my love of the Athrobeth and yeah. my desire to dig into the weird shit and the legendarium, including yeah. how trash Fanor and Thingol and people like them are. Which, of course, Jude is biased because we know there's lots of great people that love fan or two. So, you know, well, everything is there's two sides to every coin. I, I, I value that. I do think uh, there's been it has been pointed out to me on several occasions, <laughs> like the biased, the reasons why the depictions of fan or maybe biased and stuff like that, which I think is super fucking interesting. And maybe someday we'll talk yeah. about that. Maybe we'll do a maybe we'll do an episode where we'll bring on some fan or defenders and we'll we'll have a little pro con fanor episode someday but yeah in the meantime fanor's a dick final no. <laughs> that's my final that that is un, until proven otherwise that is the the position of this host of the podcast that's awesome and this host is undecided but that's great is he hot that helps a lot for me okay all right <laughs> Cool. Well, dude, this was amazing. Thank you so much for walking us through it. It might seem, you know, kind of e- easy for you, uh, but, you know, just to go over that foundation again for someone like I mean, me who's a newer fan, I, I'm so happy to do that. So thank you. It, it helps a ton. I get lost in it, too. I, I can barely keep track of some of these Tulare branches. So it was useful yeah. for me as well. That's great. Well, thank you for all your work on this. Jude did this whole thing by himself. He's amazing. And that's after putting all of those capes on all those cods at Cape Cod. So yep. you were busy this last week. I did. Thank it you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Of going to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Oh, an academic staying home and not going to the beach. Whoa. Yep. The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps increase our visibility. You can find us on the web at podcast.atherbeth.com. 
You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Athrobeth underscore cast. Jude can be found at Aramidic Jude. Steph can be found at the North Four. Title music is Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond Five. <laughs> Today's episode was produced by our faithful and very patient editor, James Pearson. Thanks for listening. I was on a haunted boat. What? Wait, you buried the lead. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, I like to think it was haunted. It probably wasn't haunted, but it was a schooner, and they talked about whaling, oh. and, you know, so I like to think it was haunted by whales. <laughs>